ready, Dr. G? Yeah, yeah, you've probably been ready. Yeah. All right, here we go. I'm ready. What's up, you guys? How are you guys doing? This is episode number 28 of Chattel Beans Podcast, a mariachi podcast. How are you guys doing? Um, today is another special day. Um, if you guys remember, a couple episodes ago, we had uh, a very fine guest that we were very excited about. His name is Mr. Dr. G, Dr. G, mm-hmm. William Gradante. Um, he was our teacher. We had a We had a whole episode dedicated to him. Kind of, if you guys remember, if you guys uh, listened to it, it was just kind of based on how we grew up and in, in the mariachi world and kind of how we got to where we are right now, you know. Um, with this episode, we kind of give it, we kind of gave you guys uh, a heads up that the next one would be kind of a little bit of mariachi history. And when we say history, it's because there's a lot of people that play it every weekend, every day of their lives, and they don't know what's behind it. You know, a lot of the times... They 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 only got taught, you know, this is how you play G chord, C chord, D chord. And then that you just kind of ran with that, you know, but you never learned the history behind it. Who right. played before you, like that kind of stuff. You so know? we got an educational video for you guys. This this is going to be straight educational for you guys. So you guys can really learn straight knowledge. You know, we 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 got to experience a lot of this when we were kids, you know, because we were we were we were kids. And this is he was our middle school teacher. So that's <laughs> how so much we care about. Yeah, we're sharing our teacher with you. guys. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, a lot of the times, like, um, like I said, you kind of learn music, but you don't know the history behind the music. And that's kind of what we want to do with this episode. Uh, straight educational. Um, but without further ado, um, let's reintroduce you to Mr. Dr. Turkey. G. How are you, Dr. G? Uh, oh, we are good. good. We are, I think we're, I think we're I'm good. I'm doing great, guys. How are you? <laughs> I'm sorry for the late start. Like I said, we, we, we did a little bit just to get all this set up. It's going to be a little weird, but, you know, we're going to do our best to get... We, the reason I want to do this is to really, like, get people to understand what, what it is that they're doing you know, every weekend, you know, how did it get to what it is right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. What you're used to, but a lot of people don't know the history behind it. And you, we really hold you to be an expert for us, for, for this kind of stuff. So yeah. that's why we ask you, you know, we know some stuff, but we don't know, we don't know the tip of the iceberg. You know, you, you know, well, a lot that's more. all we know, the tip of the iceberg, you know, exactly. You we that. know the tip <laughs> of the iceberg. You got the whole iceberg, you know, and we, we really use you as our expert for all these, all these things. So we're very, we're really excited to kind of get this stuff again. You yeah, know what I mean? Thank you for doing this. Jim. Yeah. Thank you. It. Thank you again for coming back. So, uh, um, absolutely. My pleasure guys. Oh, but I have to say that you haven't seen most of this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you may have seen a couple of the pictures. Yeah, from what but, I heard um, now, this is stuff that, that I did I not like, know when you guys were in my class. That sounds very new. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I remember going to school. You know, we were kids, and you always had these powerpoints that would talk about you know different aspects of mariachi. I remember like like these long powerpoints about Jose Alfredo and you know other singers, just like stuff, not just um, mariachi related, Mexico related. I mean, you taught us about. Uh, the other Los Muertos before Coco kind of made it cool. You right. know what I mean? I knew all of that stuff when that movie came out. I was like, oh, I know all that. You know, like uh, he, I got taught that, you know, when I was mm-hmm. young. So that, you know, that's it was it was great to see that. What was that? Like yeah. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I could have been a consultant. You're on a that Disney film, scholar. Asked me, but uh, I mean, so 
you being the one with the PowerPoint, what are you going to show us today? What what is what is it you're trying to show all our viewers? Well, first uh-huh. of all, it's it's you can look at it as mariachi history, but it's really important that everybody that's watching this knows and right. it's, it's as you're going to witness that this is going on right now. It's people playing songs that have been around for a oh. very very long time. They're also composing new songs, um, but they're performing this today, and they're not doing like okay. this as a sideline to being in a quote unquote real mariachi. This is what they do. And um, so mm-hmm. it resembles what right. we guess mariachi used to look okay. like 100 years ago. Yeah, they're keeping but their they're doing it right alive, now. Right. Does that make sense? Now they're keeping it alive, basically. They're keeping that tradition alive. Say it again. Keeping the, mm-hmm. keeping the tradition alive, yeah. But no tradition stays right, the right. same. Um, if it stays the same, it kind of dies out, right? Um, you know, it's kind of right. like if you saw a 50s band that plays 50s rock songs. Um, well, are they making songs today that sound like the 50s? I, in most cases, right. I think they're just playing uh, covers of those 50 songs. These guys are playing okay. old songs and they're also composing yeah, in the same okay. style. Does that make sense? Um, we're going we're gonna to hear some, uh, some original music from the early 1900s, but then we're going to hear recordings that I've made right. or recordings that are, uh, were made in the festivals that I've attended. That yeah, this, this is, is what, what they, they do, do yeah. today. This is what they okay. do in their towns and their villages now. We're, we're down to, like I said, we're, we want you here to share okay. your knowledge not just with us, you know, but with the people that already um, got to listen to you in the last episode. And a, a lot of them being your former students, we've gotten a lot of people actually like asking about that video because, you know, a lot of them went through uh, what you said, you know, they were in your first groups, you know, when you were around um, in Fort Worth, you know, and it was kind of cool, like to connect with other people that were also your students through that. So, I mean, you're you're pretty well known here in Fort Worth and it was kind of cool to see other people who are as appreciative, you know, of, of, yeah, exactly. So well, remember we were the only mariachi, right? So, and we were definitely the only great. student So yeah, without further anywhere. ado, we'll kind of get into so, this episode. Yeah. Um, take it away. You got so a, you got a spotlight, G. You got the spotlight. Uh, you know, I would be great if you guys would ask questions or what is that I'm looking at or, yeah, you know, for sure. yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, kind of we'll, what we plan. We'll do that for sure. Yeah. Cause I don't know what I'm looking at sometimes. So yeah. I'll, I'll be asking questions for sure. I'll be like, where can I get those pants? Well, if you did, then I would I'd be I wouldn't be doing you guys any favors here because <laughs> if you already knew it, it wouldn't make any sense for me to be here telling you about it. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like I said, that next hour is yours and just uh kind of go just like pretend we're kids again and we're just over here learning from you. We're still kids. Okay, we're want me to start kids. off now? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay, what we're looking at here is a group of mariacheros. Um, these are Wichol. Um, indigenous people uh, living in uh, northern Jalisco and uh, central and eastern Tepic. Let's give a listen. Sounds very. We always have their own their own way of performing mariachi music. For um, sure. I don't think I've ever seen one play a guitarron, 
they're always playing an upright bass. Yeah. Um, they have a slap style of playing the bass. Like a, um, kind of. yeah. a lot of double stops on the violin. Uh, last one we had a guitar. It looked like a tricked out electric guitar. Here we got a yeah. vihuela. Oh, yeah. Had you on the floor. Right. And uh, this is, you know, taloneando in downtown Tepic out in front of a baby clothing store. Oh, nice. Oh, oh so they're doing talon there. Just yeah, this well, you see that the the sombrero on the floor. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're playing for tips. So, so are they like charging per song, or they're just getting like whatever the people give them? They're just they're they were just playing, and we were just walking, and there they are, and people lean up and throw a few pesos in the in the sombrero, and right. you know, then go on shopping. So this was actually you taking playing. those pictures. Yeah, this these are all photos I've taken. Okay, great, awesome. I didn't have anything to record anything with at the time. Um, so I didn't, that was another group playing, but and this course is a third group we're looking at. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. I know that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen that one this is the, the picture you have seen. And this course yeah. is Silvestre and Gaspar Vargas um, back in 1925. But the point of the picture is to show that mariacheros would just wear whatever they wore. There was no traje, you know, tipico traje de charro. Right. It was just uh, whoever showed up to play and whatever you are wearing, and that's fine. So could you and say that course, was like casual wearing? Like that was like the casual, like what they would wear every day? Just whatever they're wearing. You, nice. I mean, you can see somebody came to take this picture and everybody in town decided they wanted to get in on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you got, you know, yeah. the first grade class sitting in the front row at right. somebody's grandpa and, and the sugar cane fields in the background. Yeah. It's kind of gangster. So, and you see, you, this is Tierra Caliente. Tierra so Caliente? Hear, yeah, I mean, it's sugar cane behind you, so it's going right. to have to be hot weather. Right. Oh. Okay, this is a group that uh, Marechi de Justo Villa, these guys went to Mexico City in 1905. Uh, as far as we know, they're the first mariachi to perform in Mexico City. Now, mm -hmm. Mexico City is pretty big. It was even big back in 1905. But uh, as far as we know, they were the first ones there. They went back again in 1908. Um, they had just come for the one gig to play for Porfirio Diaz's birthday. And um, when they went, they were recorded by three different American uh, recording companies. And uh, see if you can tell what song this is. Oh, the strumming pattern is different though. Okay, so yeah, it was it was El Carretero, El Son El Carretero. Yeah, it was El Carretero. They started up with a verse that we never used to sing. Yeah. Uh, remember, people played sones for people to dance. Right. And so if people were still dancing, come up with another verse. And if not, sing one you've already sung, but keep playing as long as the people are happy. And, that, um, and even then, they, that's what people do now. You know, not with uh, specifically like with sones, because sones have like their own, like the, not not the... They're the, the most common verses, right? Like when you when you sing a song that is Jalisciense nowadays, like the ones that are recorded were like the most common ones. Right. And then 
but I'm thinking of like when we do Pavido Navido, you know, they oh. they just have so many verses and we just play over and over and over yeah. again. We, they just kind of pick one and then. Yeah, if people are dancing, you just kind of add in another another verse and another verse, and that's just kind of how it goes. Well, remember what Maria Cheros say is, we're here to traer alegría. Right. And if the people want this, that's what we're going to do. We uh-huh. may not want to play this particular song or whatever, but this is what we do. Most yeah. guys are just in love with playing music, so they're happy to comply. Right. Mm. Um, when we have 1930 come along with the invention of radio, you could only play up to thir- two minutes and a half or maybe three minutes. Mm-hmm. So songs that used to be 15, 20 minutes long, you cut it down to a couple of verses and one break and you're done. Right. So it completely changes the repertoire. Mm-hmm. You know, you used to be able to make a few songs go a long way. Um, but when you're limited only three minutes on the radio, you know, things change. And then same thing with the, with the recording industry. Right. These are some buddies of mine. Most everyone in the picture are under 30, maybe, maybe 40. Mm-hmm. But they're all music teachers in Mexico City. Okay. And uh, they've been playing tradicional for, they don't play in any other mariachi. This is their group. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if you know what coplas are. Coplas are usually four eight-syllable ver- lines in a stanza. And they make up the words for carretero and almost every other song. A decima is when you expand the copla into 10 lines. So when, they guys, when the guys start singing, the, the gentleman on the left with the violin, he starts off by uh, echando una decima, just bragging about being a chilango, being from Mexico City. This is very unusual because there's playing a son in a minor key. Right. The, the fellow playing the guitarron, uh-huh. uh, who's kind of inspired by my pictures of you guys, and the kids that came after you, he formed a student mariachi in a uh, music school in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And he brought his group twice to JP Elder. We played over in Northside as well. And we oh, played okay. for probably 20 different schools in the Fort Worth ISD two years in a row uh, back oh, about six, eight years ago. I wasn't either. So, uh, like, they, they, they were, were the like... first ones to start having youth groups in Mexico City copying us. Wasn't oh. either for that? Say it again. Wasn't either for that. Like they brought in like dancers too, right? And like they were playing like stuff like La Guacamaya. And well, all the that. group was that the guy that was playing guitarron. He was a director. Right. His daughter that. was yeah. eight. She played the harp and danced. And nice. every kid in the group dances. Every kid in the group plays most all the instruments. And every kid sings. You hear that, you guys? Uh, 
They can't all re- sing. Can't can, relate. Can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, w- I wish I wish I could, gee, I, I tried, but we're not talented. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, talented. they don't all sing great, but they all sing. They all sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, those kids try, man. I well, get. again, it's, it's traer alegría. You know, right, it's it's exactly. not about I'm going to make the top forty. It's you know, are we bringing happiness and festivity to to our audience? Right, right. This is a mural on a wall in, in a uh, in a building in La Barca, Jalisco that's been there since like the 1860s. Um, I have it here simply so you can see the importance of the percussion. And most <laughs> groups had percussion. Right. We have a lot of percussion today with our vihuela playing and Tara de Golpe playing. Right. But this is seriously with drums. Here's another way of adding percussion. The, uh, the fellow at the bottom left, he's cacheteando al arpa. Yeah. And he's drumming along with, with the group. Right, and he's I, a member of the group just like everybody else. Yeah, and they even have a stool sometimes, right? They bring out their little stool, and they sit oh, down. I was going to say, you see everybody lugging their instruments, and the harp players lugging the big old harp, yeah. and this guy's walking around with a little tiny milk stool, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but, that's a good uh, yeah, job. <laughs> that, hey, there you go. Yeah, you don't get tired. Oh, there you go. This dude's doing the same thing. So that oh. was a classic photo from the 40s. This is one of some friends of mine. Not this guy, but another fellow won the national championship. There's actually a national championship for El Tarimero or the Cacheador, the guy who's going to be banging on the, on the harp. The harp. And right. some of them are, are amazing with the rhythms they can come up with. Yeah. Oh. You don't have any recordings of that? By any chance? Oh, I've heard Do those guys. You don't have any recordings of that by any chance? Um, you... you you will probably hear some. I'm not sure. I haven't really okay. selected any where you would, would specifically hear that. Okay. Um, let's listen and maybe we'll hear it. Um, here you see these guys all play in Mariachi Imperial in Nochislan, uh, Zacatecas. Mm-hmm. My buddy is the guy on the right. His name is Nicolas Puentes. He uh, toured with people like uh, Jose Alper Jimenez, um, oh, nice. people before him. He was playing in Mexico City when he was 12 with his older brother. Sheesh. He also plays in a mariachi tradicional. His son is playing harp. His son, Josafat, has a couple of CDs, uh, solo harp. Um, oh. And they travel throughout the mountains of, of uh, southern um, Zacatecas looking for the old sones, the old jarabes, the old valonas, all the old uh, uh, genres Wait, that are rarely played today. What's a valona? Valonas are, I have several, I, I, maybe next time I'll have to bring oh, okay, one, cool. but they're, 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 they're for Echando Coplas. And it, so it's a song built, uh, it's built on instrumental interludes, and then it gives an opportunity for the singer to come up with a verse. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, like I said, they're not, they're not played that much, but you, you die laughing with some of them. <laughs> but anyway, here's these guys. <laughs> Tambor. Who's going ham? Here. don't know if you can tell, but sometimes he's striking the drum with the soft head, and sometimes he's using the stick against the side of the drum. Oh, really? 
think I saw Victor dancing. <laughs> uh, this is Nicolas Puentes, <laughs> the, the fellow that was on the right-hand side. Uh -huh. that used to play for uh, La Prieta Linda and toured all over Latin America with the big-time mariachis. Um, Jesus Jauregui is the world's leading expert in all things mariachi. Right. He's not a musician. He's not a dancer. He is an anthropologist and studies why do people play mariachi? Why do people have mariachi um, enthroned as the most important thing in their life? Mm -hmm. And he goes uh, way up into the communities that no tourists would ever know even exist. And um, not recording music, talking to people, writing down history, writing down mm -hmm. the words of songs. Right. And um, he's the author of the book I showed you guys last episode. Right. Um, worth the 30 bucks on Amazon by by double or triple. Oh. But anyway, one of the things Jesus and I were doing, we were in Tepic, where I was uh, actually playing along with some uh, four guys that have a traditional mariachi in Tepic. Uh, as we left, the leader of the group said, I just got a call. We need to go play at a Velorio de Nino, oh. de, de Angelito. And he said, you know, he always called me the luckiest guy in the world. And we got to go see Evolori de Angelito. So, I just wanted to hear this. Listen to the harp, Victor. That's called El Gorgorito. Mm. This is the Velorio de Angelito. This is in a tiny village of La Portuna. Mm -hmm. She was seven years old and passed away. Mm -hmm. This is the mariachi. It starts out with five fellas. It ends up with six or seven. Couple guys goes, couple guys come back. Oh. They played from about five in the afternoon all night long. Yeah, I've heard of that actually. Yeah, in my town in Mexico, that's what they do too. Where they'll well, depending on what the what the occasion is, but they'll play all night, man, like all night, and that's wild. Uh, to me, that's wild. At dawn, they'll make a procession to the cemetery mm -hmm. and uh, put her in her in her coffin and into the grave. Right. This gentleman was blowing off fireworks all night long to keep the evil spirits away. Mm, okay. There they are, still playing. At least they get okay, to this sit is, down. <laughs> this is another group. This is um, a group from Apatzingan, Michoacan that you're going to uh -huh. be hearing. But this group is from Tepic. This is called a minuete. It sounds like a song, but they call them minuetes. Mm -hmm. Sounds very similar to like a song, like a song Jalisciense. So Jesus has published a couple of articles about Los Velorios. Um, very rare to have the opportunity to go see something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was going to talk a little bit about the vestuario. What do mariacheros wear? Um, these are people obviously before 
um, big time radio and recording contracts, but people went from wearing whatever they happen to have on to kind of a stylized version of this is what a campesino mexicano would wear. And, you know, you got a sash around the waist and this is imitated by the mariachi tradicional today. Right. Yeah. I always have dancers part of the group. Part of the group? Sorry? Like they're part of the group? Like they're actually... They're, they're part of the group, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a painting from the 1830s, um, Rancheros. And you can see the similarities between this and what the traje de charro became and how it became the, 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 the traje de mariachi. Mm-hmm. Mm. You can see the espuelas de plata. Yeah, you can see. You can also see, like, I don't know if that's Greca or if that's Gala on the dude on the bottom. Oh, a little bit of both. Sometimes just sewing okay. coins on the side of the pants just uh-huh. to brag about. You can you can afford to do that. Yeah, um, actually, one of our violinists, his traje is coins. Yeah, yeah, they're actually uh, his traje is black traje. He has coins on the side, and I always thought that was so. At first, I thought it was weird. I was like, bro, why do you have like Monedas, Mexicanas yeah. on the side. I've never seen that as gala. I mean, you, you know, usually have like what they call the, the well, the Aztec, the Aztec circle, you know, yeah. the horseshoes and stuff like that. But I had never seen the one with the actual coins on there. I thought yeah, that, was, that actually goes way back then. Yeah, it goes way back. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, it's, it's if you're the ranchero that owns the hacienda or whatever, right. you go into town on Saturday night, you put on your best clothes, your best sarape, yeah. um, you know, your best botonadura, and mm-hmm. there you go. Nice. And it's, it's said that during the time of Maximiliano, which was the 1860s, uh-huh. uh, he felt if you're in Europe and you're in the, in, in the uh, court in uh, Austria, for example, which is where he was from, he'd mm-hmm. say all the gentlemen would be wearing el traje típico of Austria. The mm-hmm. ladies would be wearing the traje típico. Um, he said, my wife is from Belgium. Over in that court, it's a completely different traje. But everybody would be wearing with pride the traje típico of that country so mm-hmm. he felt like it's it's something that we need to do here in mexico and so he began wearing something like you saw the uh the rancheros wearing mm-hmm. they said he would wear that every day as he rode his horse into town from uh, the chapultepec castle over to the uh to the palacio de gobierno right and you can see he's got the sombrero he's got you know yeah he, I mean, he could be a mariachero. yeah it's reminiscent of what you see now which is you know your standard black traje Okay, these guys are like an orchestra. The fellas on the left are playing uh, salterios, called saltery in English. They're kind of like a hammered dulcimer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a string bass. We've got cellos. We've got mandolins. Um, these are guys from the, the, the from the orchestra at the Conservatory of Mexico City, right. and they're traditionally being sent out to different world's fairs just to kind of brag about this is the wonderful culture we have in Mexico. Right. And so the government said, we're not sending guys out in, you know, pantalones de manta. We're going to yeah. send them out looking like hacendados, like charros. Yeah. So these guys were wearing this long before the mariachis were. Yeah. But dating is as early as 70s. This picture happens to be from 1931 when they were performing in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, it's in Chicago? Okay. Yeah, it's a Chicago, dude. Okay, we're talking about percussion now. Right. These are pictures I took in a little town called Presidio de los Reyes. This is a tarima. It's a hollowed out trunk from a tree. Um, they want it to be a particular tree. You want to get it at a particular time of year, particular time of day to have it be dry enough to make it have a great sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see this is enough for two people to dance with. I've seen them where you could have four couples. 
four couples dancing so, at the same time. Oh, I remember wow. we made two of those in middle school. Yeah. Remember that, G? Oh, I wasn't there. You were. Yeah. Yeah. We even painted them. Oh, that's why we built one. Now, this one is, a, this is the same one we just saw. It's from a hollowed out tree trunk. Wow. This well, is about a quarter of a mile away in a different town called San Pedro Ixcatan. This is where the mestizos live, the white folks, as opposed to where the indios live in the last town. Mm-hmm. And they made theirs out of boards. You can see that this was sawed with, you know, electric saw and this and that. Right. Um, you can see the top was attached with nails and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's sort of like a horse trough upside down. Yeah. But um, you could say it's to dance on, but people say, hey, that guy's a member of the group. He's our percussionist. He just happens to play the drum with his feet. You're mm-hmm. right. I mean, because they're loud from what I heard. Did you dance oh, on it too, are. Victor? Like very basic stuff. But you danced there, right? I tried. Nice. <laughs> They're loud even when you're dancing with huaraches. Yeah. Yeah. This is the state of Nayarit. Jesus says, I've been to several of these places, specifically in this area. But he has been all through the state of Nayarit. He's indicated here that in the red circles are where the mestizos or the white Mexican folks mm-hmm. have a tarima in their town. The black ones are the indigenous peoples, which is more likely to be a hollowed out trunk. Mm-hmm. So you can see that many just in the tiny little state of, of, of uh, Nayarit. Here's one in Rosa Morada. No, no uh, hollowed out wood trunk. It's just a hole in the ground. Oh, with a board the over the top. I you, thought it was going to be like a very, very far. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were going to bury someone, dude. Work smarter, not harder. This is down in Oaxaca. They call it an artesa. Oh, and cool. at each end, the head and the tail of a horse or a bull or a cow is carved out of the same piece of lumber. It even has like you a sound. They have power tools. Yeah, on the Because side. it got pretty straight art. Okay, cool. This is one kind of coffin shaped. This was placed in the uh, Plaza de los Fundadores in Guadalajara, and people were just lining up to dance on it. This is a buddy of mine, um, Humberto Gaspar, who was the national dancer of the Huapango, national champion. Uh, He's been doing mariachi for kids for the last 15, 20 years. That's his daughter he's dancing with. Mm. We found this one in a house in Mahadas, Nayarit. It was upside down, and they had sacks of corn, sacks of fertilizer, and uh, sacks of grain just to keep them dry and they didn't even know it was a tarima but it's kind of interesting because it's it was constructed with handles where you could make it easier to carry yeah because of course it weighs a ton i would think you could use here's a, a more modern <laughs> nah well how do you dance on it's it with the and it's got some wheels you can just wheel it off uh, it's little handholds it's mobile <laughs> Okay, we talked about the huicholes earlier. Right. Uh, this is a five-piece group. Same instrumentation. We just got a couple more violins or yeah. an extra violin. Um, I just wanted to have this picture so you know what I'm talking about. This is the typical uh, house of worship for the huicholes. This one is kind of made for tourists. You can see at the top, they've got lights that you can come in. But this is where they would worship. It's a round structure. Um, the interesting thing about it, it's almost exactly the same as the kivas of the Anasazi, which are the ancestors of the Pueblo Indians of today. Mm. This, this is in a town very close to the Colorado border, but it's in northern New Mexico, yeah. very close to the four corners. Um, 
this one happens to have a door, but most of them you would enter through the, through a ladder, through a hole in the ceiling. Right. It's got the exact same orientation inside. My theory is that these were tarimas back almost a thousand years ago. You That's can see the size of this yeah. building by the size of those gentlemen. Yeah. This is the way the building we just saw looked back when it was excavated in the 1920s. And that archaeologist decided to reconstruct it. Wait, gee, do this you is say what that those ruins look like here? today in, uh, in other parts of New Mexico. Okay. But they would place boards across the, ho the hole. Do you saw it as a sounding hole? Hmm. This is, matches almost exactly the tuki that we saw of the Huicholes, their house of worship. You have your fireplace. You have a stone set up uh, to block the wind that would come through the ventilation duct. You have a sipapu, which is symbolic of the hole through which people came from the center of the earth. Uh, their creation story says we all came from the center of the earth. We emerged into this world through the sipapu. There's four big uh, tree trunks set up to hold up the roof. And these are what I believe are the prehistoric tarimas that people would dance to just like the huicholes still do today. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. So it goes back for a while then. Hey, do you have a question? Sorry? I have a question. So there, you think they're a thousand years old? Okay, the ruins are definitely from the years 900 AD to about 1250 AD. Okay, so it was like before La Conquista, oh, right? They're that old. Um, by carbon dating and by um, dendrochronology, looking at the tree rings of the of the tree trunks that were used mm. to hold up the roof. Okay. So we know the, uh, the, the, the archaeological ruins are a thousand years old. What we don't know is the function of those, of these, of these objects. Okay. Most archaeologists today are saying they were probably used as foot drums. And we know for a fact that, that when the Anasazi culture, uh, they say it disappeared, but the, the droughts in northern New Mexico are really bad. We know that also from the tree rings, that people scattered in all directions. Their traditions are found, and traditions from central Mexico are found here in New Mexico, and they're also the traditions of New Mexico from that era are found in Mexico today. So mm. it's kind of a leap, but we know this stuff was there a thousand years ago or 900 years ago. Mm. What we don't know if in fact this was used as a drum. Because uh, I always thought that it was, this was like, I don't know, like after La Conquista, which was like 1400s. But uh, this, you're saying this goes like way back before like the Spaniards. Okay, they, in those ruins that we just looked at, they were gone by 1250. That's oh. 250 years almost before Columbus. Mm. Okay, Coronado and the other explorers that went came up from Mexico into New Mexico, they mm. were there in, the, in, you know, pretty early. Coronado came in 1540. Okay, but, mm -hmm. the, but the Anasazi that built these, these uh, what I'm calling tarimas, they were gone by a couple hundred years. Oh, their, okay. their, their descendants still live there. They just don't live in that same spot. The drop just got so bad they could no longer live there. But but mm -hmm. that's that's part of the the Pueblo Indians mythology is that you're supposed to you're you're expected to wander the earth and live here a generation maybe four or five generations and then move on. Um, eventually you'll find this is the holy place that you should be. 
So uh, I'm trying to make a connection um, historically by saying in these ruins of a thousand years ago, there are orange and red uh, wakamaya, uh, macaw feathers, parrot feathers mm. from both coasts of Mexico, like Veracruz and down by Jalisco. How did those feathers get up here? Uh, Gravity. Migration. There's turquoise from here, from New Mexico, that's found in Mexico City. Okay. In, in some of the, uh, the art in Mexico City among the Aztecs. Now, the Aztecs are just a couple of hundred years, maybe a hundred years later. Some people say that the Anasazi, when they left New Mexico, we, we know they went in all directions. They could be the Aztecs. Oh. We just don't know. But there are so many things that, that were from Mexico that we believe that the Anasazi learned how to grow corn from the Mexicans. Mm. The Mexicans before, like the Toltecs, the people okay. before the Aztecs. Ooh. Yeah, I not and this is why they're called Pueblo Indians, because they lived in stone villages. They didn't live in tents. They didn't live in teepees. They didn't live in earth houses. They lived in pueblos like they saw in Spain. So they called them Indios Pueblo. You know, Indians that live in, you know, pueblos yeah. like Google. Okay. Anyhow, this is what that, what that kiva looks like today. So you can see how big these are, these tarimas. Right. If you put boards across here, what you'd get is this. This is a video that was made by National Geographic magazine. One of the park rangers at the National Park let me copy it. Well, he copied it for me. And mm -hmm. they've, they've got Native Americans like Navajos today on the tarimas. And here we go. Action. It goes on like that for quite a while. But the idea <laughs> is that that's what that's a supposition that that's what they were used for if mm -hmm. that's true we can say that that tarima was the first mariachi instrument and it came from here mm. okay the last thing i wanted to talk about was how mariachi tradicional sounds different from mariachi moderno or mariachi comercial um in the 1930s, when Mexico first had, well, 1930, when they had their first radio station, mm -hmm. we, what they wanted to do was project Mexican music by the best singers that they had. So what they did was they got opera singers, paired them up with instrumental groups, and put them on the radio and made records out of them. This was the first charro cantor, Tito Guizar, who happened to be in New York City studying opera. They yeah. said, come back to Mexico City, we're going to make you a millionaire. And... Over time, they did. He made the first mariachi uh, movie, Ayan el Rancho Grande, 1936. Mm. You notice, though, they picked a guy with blue eyes and light-colored hair and light skin because that was the favored look back in the 1930s. Oh, man. He had blue eyes? I can't tell. He, he did. Okay. He ended up making many, many movies, both in Mexico and in Hollywood. He had a radio and TV show where he did half of it in English and half of it in Spanish. Nice. A few years ago in, in Guadalajara, I gave a paper on trying to explain why do mariachi singers sound like opera singers. This fellow's name is Manuel Garcia. He was a composer, director, actor, empresario, and he was a, an amazing singer from Spain, left Sevilla, um, 
seems like he kind of ran away from Sevilla. He got himself into some trouble. Went to uh, Naples, went to Milan, uh, became a big opera star, established singing schools in both of those places. He then went to Paris. He, um, they call him the Nightingale of Andalusia. He went to Paris, had great success there as an opera singer, established a singing school. He went to London. He did the same thing. His wife, his two daughters, and his son were all opera singers. So they pretty much had their own opera company. His son, Manuel Garcia Jr., or, or number two, was also sort of a science scientist. He invented the laryngoscope, where you could look down into the human throat and see how vocal, vocalization was created. Ooh. He also established a singing school back in, uh, in Spain. But Manuel Garcia... After going to London and Paris and Milan and Naples, he went to New York City where he met Lorenzo da Ponte. This is the guy who wrote the words and wrote the plays that became the operas of Mozart. So this guy was working with the greatest. Mm. He's an Italian. He's living in New York City. He's teaching Italian and Italian culture at Columbia University, promoting everything Italian back in the 1830s. Manuel Garcia meets him and says, oh, this is awesome. We can put on Italian operas. Manuel Garcia decides, I'm going to retire. He decides to do that in Mexico City, where for the first time since Mexico became liberated from Spain, you could perform operas in Italian now. So he starts an opera company there. His son becomes an, a, 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 a voice sing, a teacher. This gentleman, uh, Jose Pearson, goes to Spain, studies with Manuel Garcia's son. This guy teaches Tito Guizar, Jorge Negrete, Pedro, etc. Huh. He teaches all these guys who are the Mexico's number one popular singers of the day. Mm -hmm. This is why mariachi singers, have, like Jorge Negrete, trained as an opera singer. Tito Guizar, trained as an opera singer. Same with Pedro Vargas. Same as all these fellas. Dude, that's crazy. Like, it, it goes all the way back to that. To that, yeah. I didn't know it went so far back. But I mean, well, th this is this is what happened when mariachi met radio. You didn't want to put guys that are, you know, the guy's a farmer, the guy's a truck driver, the guy's a, you know, a ranchero or whatever. Right. You wanted to get guys that were trained vocalists to put with the best musicians in Mexico and you put them on the radio. It was a logical thing to do. Manuel right. Esperón was one of the guys, he and his partner, Ernesto Cortázar, uh, who was the lyricist, they wrote tons and tons of songs that mariachi singers know, um, including Ay Jalisco de Terrajes and sing songs like that. Yeah. He meets Jorge Negrete. They want to make him a star. They show him his costume and says, ain't no way I'm, I'm a mariachero. I'm an opera singer. Mm. He takes the score, crumples it up and throws it under the piano while Man Manuel Esperón just kind of looks there frustrated. Eventually, the lawyers say to Jorge Negrete, you need to do this. It's in the contract. Here he is with Trio Calaveras still wearing a tuxedo while they've got the right. Traje de Mariachi of the era. Huh. That looks fancy. Yeah, but he's not wearing it. He's not wearing the Traje. I'm in the yeah. guys. Oh, but bad. this is the movie where he refused to wear it. He did, re he did wear it. You Ultimately. see Lucha Reyes <laughs> on the right? Yeah. Here's Lucha Reyes singing with her opera voice. <laughs> Thank you. 
check out the vibrato. get the idea about the opera style yeah mm -hmm. and, and yeah it's funny that you bring that up because i i guess i've always just thought that that was a mariachi style i don't even yeah, think i've ever thought of it I, I, I don't think i've ever actually thought about it as as an opera kind of sound have you you have oh. dude i don't pay attention bro like like okay like looking back now that i'm thinking about you know like what um what's his name Javier Solis, you know all these guys the way that they sing it is operatic Wow, you're looking at me like I don't okay, know. Okay, we can but say I don't know anything. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Antonio Aguilar. Uh -huh. Antonio Aguilar went to college in Ohio. He was studying opera. Yeah, he sang dance music in Mexico, but uh -huh. then he they they switched him over to mariachi. Right. Um, Miguel Aceves, and he was not trained as an opera singer. You can tell he has a totally different type of voice. So does Jose Alfred Jimenez. But remember, when these guys were growing up, that's when Jorge Negrete was a big star. When, right. Jose, when Jose Alfred Jimenez was like 15, 20 years old. This is who they were listening to on the radio. So right. that's the kind of voice they tried to imitate. Mm. If I'm going to be a mariachi mm. star, I got to sound like that. Right, right, just right. Like, just like you try to play the vihuela the way Pato did. Yeah, you know, or the way Tony does. Yeah, that's the way that that's that's who I heard playing. So that's who I try to kind of imitate. I mean, a lot of music, you know, comes from imitation. It's kind of like who you're forced to listen to, right? Yeah, because I mean, when you listen to the radio, that's all they're gonna show. You right, I mean? exactly. Yeah, so it's it's constantly like around you. That and there was no streaming. I mean, yeah, you, exactly. the only thing you heard was yeah, you know, on the radio. Like it's always yeah. gonna be there, even if like you weren't looking for it. Like when you walk somewhere, maybe you hear the radio. That's what. That's who. You're that's who you're hear. listening like, to. Like in yeah. the back of your head, you're like, that's how it sounds. Yeah, that's that's how I have to sound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Are you guys familiar with Eliberto Molina, the singer for Mariachi Vargas? Mm -hmm. Yes. He sang. He sang most of the most beautiful songs in Mariachi Vargas in the '60s and mm -hmm. '70s. Right. He was yeah. he was one of the lead singers of that group for probably 30 years. He went all over Europe studying opera. He went to Spain, he oh. went to Italy, he went to New York City, he went to London, he went to Paris. I mean, he would in the workshops at the Mariachi conference we would go to, he mm -hmm. would tell you all the different opera teachers that he went to, to so you would know how to sing properly. He would bring in diagrams of the musculature this is the way your lungs need to do this is what your face needs to do you have muscles over here you got muscles over here you need to use the the uh, sinuses to resonate in your head you need to all this is opera training right yeah there's a whole youtube ask him I, I asked him as a matter of fact he said to me something about my violin players and i said would you show them what you were talking about he goes oh i'm not a violin player i'm i'm a yo soy cantante that's why he was in Mariachi Vargas. He yeah. played violin so that he could be a singer because this was the era where mariachis no longer backed up somebody like Jorge Negrete. Yeah. Like Mariachi Vargas, they have their own singers. Everybody right. in the group sings. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here goes Jorge Negrete. You see him now in his traje de charro. Now he's he's got a rooster yeah. and he's even got mm -hmm. a cigarette hanging out the corner of his mouth. Gangster. 
but he's wearing the traje de charro. Right. Now the last voice is Jorge. That's what I've got for you guys. Dude, I love his voice, man. It's funny how, like, it's it's what you said right now, uh, that you know they, they were trying to be operatic because I mean that 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 was what they were trying to do. So that kind of became like for me, I never thought of it like that. That it's yeah. operatic. I just I mean because I'm not a singer, so uh, you know I hear that and I think mariachi. Well, I, I mean, did you kind of give a PowerPoint about it in middle school? But like I said, I was I was I was a little turd back then, you know. So but. <laughs> when i'm thinking back i'm thinking back i'm like well that's the style that they were listening on the radio you know and that's what they wanted to be opera singers and now it, now you could say some people sing like that but not even that much if you look at mariachi recordings right now right now right now what's coming out a lot of people don't sing like that anymore that's true you know who does kind of the the, the one that does kind of sing oh, in maybe that, lupe from solomico the him and i was going to say of uh, uh for the for Vargas, what's his name? Daniel Steve Carrillo. Oh, Daniel Rosales. Yeah, right. Yeah, Steve exactly. Carrillo, There's only a handful of people who actually sing in that same style. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's and it's and it's kind of cool that they still do that because if if you're looking at the way Dr. G is kind of telling us, where like, you know, this has been going on for a while. Yeah. You know, this type of singing, and it goes back a long, long time. You know, yeah. for it to just become what it came, and. <laughs> That's just crazy to think about. I, I never thought about it in an opera setting. I really did not, dude. I never did. Do you remember when I told you guys how difficult it was for Jose Alfredo Jimenez to yeah. get on the radio? Yeah, because they thought he his voice was ugly. Voice. Oh, really? Yeah, they thought his singing was ugly, and then they just they wouldn't want him to sing. They so, like they like his songs, right? Like the songs were they liked him, but they didn't like his voice because they thought it was very messy. He insisted that they give him a contract as canto autor, but they wanted his songs. Yeah. eventually they let him sing. Uh-huh. I was interviewing Heriberto Molina, the, the gentleman I was talking about a minute right. ago. Right. And when I was interviewing him about Jose Alfredo Jimenez, and I said, what can you tell me about Jose Alfredo's voice? He said, 
no tenía la voz de cantante, pero sí sabía cantar. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so, Jose Freeman is mostly sung, almost completely, his own compositions. So mm -hmm. he was there from the beginning of the birth of the song till mm -hmm. the recording. Right. It was something from his experience, and he put his heart and soul into it. And in the 70s and the 60s, well, you could start in the early 50s, right. in that era of people being transplanted from rural Mexico into Mexico City and learning this is a totally new culture, Right. Being in this gigantic, biggest city in the world, we got a new. We have a new way of singing, and we have a new uh, way of writing songs. We speak differently from the poetic songs of the 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. We 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 sing differently. We use slang. We reflect the culture that we're now living. Right. And so, Jose Jimenez, in spite of not having una voz de cantante ended up being what many people say is the greatest ranchera singer ever. Right. Lucha Reyes is the other one that they say that we heard, just heard sing Ajeles con Oterrajes. Yeah. Right. And she was a, a, an opera singer who lost her voice and only was able to sing like that. Mm -hmm. And anybody else in the world would love to be able to sing like that. Mm -hmm. But she was number one. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and it goes back. When she was 36 years old. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's crazy to think about that. Yeah, because because Jose Alfredo, yeah, it's like you said, like people didn't like his voice. And I'm looking, I'm thinking back at um, and there was this thing on Facebook a couple of years ago that someone was having a debate on this. I think I just, you know, when you just oh, look at the comments, yeah. And then I just looked at the comments. I forgot what exactly it was, but basically it was that Jose Alfredo, they they didn't like Jose Alfredo because the way, even, like, this is a conversation of like today, right? And they were saying that they didn't, they never really liked the way Jose Alfredo was saying. Because he just sounded like the guy at a bar, you know, you know, going up there just to sing a song. You know, he had a, a voice of like un señor nomás going up there and, and, and singing. Right. And a lot. So there were so many people just like telling that guy, like, no, dude, like, come on, you can't say that. Yeah, because it's more than just like, like, cantando lo bonito. Like, Jose Alfredo, what he had, too, was a lot of like, uh, I mean, there were his songs about, was, about him, you know, so it there was, was a little feeling there. There was his know? own experience. Like, you could feel like you could feel whatever he was trying to express. And. And it's funny because a lot of that stuff is subjective because, I mean, you could say that he doesn't sound good because he doesn't sing the way that you like, you know what I mean? Perfect, you know, pretty, this and that. But it, it's almost like that's not that that wasn't his his thing. That wasn't he, the point. He, 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 he was singing his experiences. He was sharing it with, you know, people in musical form, you know, and he was just kind of belting it out. And yeah, it wasn't the like the greatest, most polished work, you know, the way he was singing it. But we know Jose Alfredo because of what he did to music, you know, with those rancheras and stuff like that. That's the reason his voice has lasted, you know, these generations and stuff like that, because you hear it over and over again and you're like, wow, you know, but. What you just said was really important that he wrote songs that everybody could relate to. Right. I always think about the words of Tu Recuerdo Yo, when he mm -hmm. says, ¿Quién no sabe en esta vida la traición tan conocida que nos uh -huh. deja un mal amor? Yeah. And everybody knows that. Hey. <laughs> it may not be the greatest song in the world. It may not be sung with an op by an opera singer, right? But everybody can relate to it. Yeah. <coughs> oh, no. And yeah, and it's, yeah, that's that's the craziest thing because you also said that they're they're kind of playing to what what was in that era. You know what I mean? Like in that in that early era, it was um, operatic. You know, and, and the Jose Alfredo was just talking about his experiences. And like I said, a lot of people don't sing like that anymore. You know, it, and that's because they hear what's on the radio, what's on the radio right now. You know, the, the way that those guys sing, mm -hmm. that's kind of the way that you, 
might feel like you have to sound in order to, you know, advance. And especially in mariachi, like you said, everybody sings in the mariachi. So everybody's got a way of, of singing in the mariachi. So they replicate a lot of times they're replicating someone else's voice and, or this and that. And it's crazy too. When like, have you heard those voices? Like, in, like in person, like when, like, uh, you've, you, you've seen Steve Carrillo, like yeah. singing in the room, right? Oh yeah. Like dude. when he um, sings, like you can feel like your body resonate too. Like, you yeah, can feel it, like, yeah. You know what? Like, yeah. Like, you feel like something in your chest, like not like feeling anything, but it's his voice. Like it's so strong. Like, yeah. it, like it hits you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. It's weird. Yeah. And it's like, no one sings like that anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about. Like, you just blew my mind with the whole opera thing. Like, I never once thought about it. I really did. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's what this is for. This is for Dr. G just yeah. to come in and blow my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that makes sense. You know, <laughs> but that's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Me and G are just like. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. So is that is that, is that pretty much it, Dr. G? Oh yeah, it is. I, I used to always wonder why would they have that voice, which doesn't go with the campesino sort of imagery of most of the songs. Mm-hmm. I also would wonder when you see a ballet folklorico, they're mm-hmm. all wearing tacones. Right. Uh-huh. Who in the pueblo is wearing tacones, and where are they going to be in a town with? <laughs> I mean, the town I lived in had no paved roads, so you're <laughs> dancing on dirt. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> but the, the Bali Folklorico is an invention of television. Mm. I mean, wow. the dancing part, remember I said the, the Maria Chitarra always has dancers. Right. That's because they're always playing live. You put them on the radio, the, the dancers, they're not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get to something that's visual like TV so you can have the dancers again. Mm-hmm. Okay. People dance on the tarima with huaraches and Victor can be a testimony. Yeah. It's loud as heck. Yeah. You put you put a tarima down and you don't need a paved surface. You don't need a stage, a wooden stage like the Bali Folklorico does. You don't have to have choreographed steps where people take three this way and then they do this. Right. You dance however you want. Yeah. In in the conference in in, in Guadalajara that comes every year, end of August, they'll put out a tarima and a couple will jump on it, start dancing. And when they get to the next instrumental part, they can go crazy because you can be really loud. When the singing starts again, <laughs> they'll get off the tarima and two other people will jump up. Sometimes it's a couple. Sometimes it's, hey, I'm up, you know, somebody join me. And yeah. then they'll dance and it, it'll go on. It'll go on as long, as long as the mariachi can keep coming up with verses the same. Right. But it's, it's, that's part of the thing. And they're making the rhythm. They're the drum section yeah. of the band. And like and like you showed us, I mean, percussion was kind of part of of those groups, you know, the, with the drum, with the banging on the arpa, which you still see today in parts like Michoacan, you know, what I mean, in those grupos de arpa grande, you know, there and they and they incorporate that's that same style because I mean, traditionally that that's what's also happened, you know what I mean? Even like Sol did that, I think. Sol yeah. did it at one of their concerts, like they they had uh, the, one of the trumpet players, he went up and he started banging on there. I'm pretty sure there was some kid like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, I've never seen that before. You know what I mean? But it's it's there. It's tra- it, traditionally, it, it has happened before, you know, stuff like that with the percussion on uh, on an harp. You know what I mean? It's not just the, the melody, but it's also, it can be used as a percussion instrument. And that's crazy. Well, it's the harp. It's the drum. In, yeah. in uh, Guerrero, they have a tiny little drum called a tamborito. 
It also has a straight stick and a padded stick. And a, <laughs> when the people are singing, you're playing with the stick against the side, the wood side of the drum. Uh -huh. When the instrumental part comes on, you're banging the soft head you know, to get louder. But mm -hmm. it, all the groups have some manner of making percussion. Right. There's a group that, uh, that Jesus Howdy has been studying from uh, Southern Sinaloa. And the gentlemen, I guess they're in their 70s and 80s. They're wearing, it almost looks like they've got big boots on, but the boots are made out of cocoons. Oh. Like oh, butterfly cocoons. Cocoons. Oh. <laughs> what? Okay. And as the guy dances, they shake. What's inside the cocoon is shaking against the sides of the cocoon. Right. And he says, look, they're playing the rhythms of the vihuela with their legs right. in the cocoon. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll be for another time. But <laughs> everybody has percussion. And like you say, yeah. there's all different ways of getting it. Yeah. Well, it looks like it looks like it's not the only ones that you showed us. There's a lot more in. We hope to explore that with maybe another episode with episode three here mm -hmm. with Dr. G. Um, we need another PowerPoint. Right. Yeah, we need another PowerPoint from you. <laughs> like I said, I've got PowerPoints out the wazoo, guys. <laughs> uh, I believe it. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, I think that, I mean, this is now ones that you've seen. Oh, really? Are there even more? Yeah, wow. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that too. <laughs> I have been studying a lot less modern mariachi than the, I don't want to say old time mariachi because these guys right. are singing and composing songs now. As a yeah. matter of fact, in the conference that I go to every year, they mm -hmm. give trophies out and cash prizes for sones. Wow. Mm -hmm. So people, I mean, they'll have, you know, any number of people composing sones, they'll perform them during the festival and right. they'll award prizes. I mean, the, the tradition is continuing. It's not just copying the old days. Right. And you can see the groups are young people. I've, I've seen groups where the youngest guy was 75. Whoa. But most of the groups now, some of the groups have a grandfather and a grandson in the same group. Right. But most of them are kids your age. Mm. I'm calling you kids, but they've <laughs> been playing that style mariachi. Uh -huh. No trumpets. Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's very vibrant. I mean, I was blown away. Yeah, I had no right. idea. That's right. Isn't like the trumpet like one of the newest instruments in mariachi? In mariachi? Right? Yeah, I, actually. Now I, yeah, right. because from what I saw in the pictures, there wasn't a whole lot of trumpet. It was mostly violins. Right. There is no trumpet in, in, tra in tradicional. Right. No. So is that like the newest instrument or is, is it like... Is trumpet? There... Yeah. yeah. Trumpet became a, a, ma a mariachi moderno instrument in the 1930s because of radio. They oh. wanted something that would wow. project over the, the poor quality microphones that they had in those days. Mm. Uh -huh. Wow. But what I mean, about... radio was changing mariachi. It was changing the number of verses they could sing. It right. was changing. Um, you had to clean up some of the songs, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of the verses are invented. Um, they added a trumpet, then two trumpets. They added going from two violins up to six violins. Mm -hmm. I mean, you little by little went from a folk group to a, mini orchestra right and that's what it is now and 12 to 13 members. In a large violin section you can play music from anywhere right it expands your repertoire if you're a tradicional, your objective is to sound traditional from your region right we don't play the way those guys do our traje is a little different our our sombrero is a little bit different we have different style huaraches than they do you know what i'm saying you're trying yeah. to create a regional image where where radio and TV was trying to mold a 
everybody dressed. I mean, we all have trajes de mariachi yeah. that look pretty much the same. Yeah. You know, everybody has the black with, you know, with gala. That that's the, everybody has to have one of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, but it's also making it match the modern world. It's making, it's making Mexico look better. Right. Rather than a bunch of guys wearing guaraches. Yeah. I mean, you, you put one, one, one big group with, you know, and everybody's wearing like flashy colors, flashy everything. Yeah. I mean, it looks better for sure. It's crazy. It looks good on the CD cover. Yeah. It's an image. Yeah. It really, I mean, mariachi is synonymous now with, with Mexico. You know, it's, you think, you think, you think Mexico, you think mariachi, you know, mariachi comes from Mexico. So you got to represent, you know what I mean? Remember, Jesus Jauregui's book is called Mariachi, Símbolo Musical de México. Right. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a million different kinds of music in Mexico, but yeah. you think Mexico, you think mariachi. Right. Yeah. You That's true. You don't think That's of true. all the other styles. That they're, you know, yeah. over there, they've got Norteño. Over there, they've got um, the marimba down in the Isthmus. You have different, you have many right. different styles of music right. in Mexico, but Mex mariachi now means Mexico. Yeah, no man, that's that's in Texas. <laughs> yeah, in and Texas, yeah, for sure. We're cowboys in Texas. We're <laughs> in no, cowboys. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Oh man. Well, I think I think that was a good episode. I liked it. This is uh, this is good. Yeah, I think people are gonna learn. So a lot you saw one of those photos before, right? The yeah. old Vargas photo. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, I saw. Uh, yeah, I saw that photo yeah, before. Well, that. I wanted you guys to see that because that's how Vodka started. Yeah. They started their group in 1890, 1899 or mm -hmm. 1898. Uh -huh. I mean, the monument is in Tecalitlan, and it shows yeah. there's four guys' names. Yeah. You know, one guitar with Gaspar and then a, a harp and two violins. Right. That's the, even, that was it, 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 unusual. That right. was it, what their group looked like. There's even pictures of, like, Vargas from that time, too. And, like, they all have different suits. Or like I guess what they were wearing that day. Yeah, they weren't matching. Like yeah. like Aspar, we were wearing like a lighter suit, and then Silvestri has like a full dark suit. You know? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's I've like... seen that picture too. Yeah, like right. you said, they just wore whatever Silvestre they had. Var... What was that? I asked Silvestre Vargas one day. I said, "Why did you guys wear those kind of suits? Why didn't you wear a real mariachi suit?" And he looked at me like, he said, "Where were we going to get money for that? We were campesinos. We didn't have that." He goes, the first time we even wore look-alike pantalones de manta was when we got a gig up in Tijuana for a couple of months. Oh, wow. You know, so they, you had a match. That was not part of the deal. Right. You, you, weren't, you, know, you weren't on display as a fashion statement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're the music. You're entertaining. <clears throat> I was in Tepic with, with Jesus Jauregui. We walked into this building, and there were a lot of interior columns holding up the second floor. Mm -hmm. And around each of them, there were little kind of like bicycle locks holding string bases. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guys would show up there and they'd hang out at the pool tables until there was a guy who can play the bass, a couple of violins, maybe a trumpet and a vihuela. And then they'd go out and, and altalon. Yeah. And whoever was the bass player, he'd have the key for one of the locks and take the bass with him. They mm -hmm. just walked in wearing what you're wearing right now. Mm -hmm. They'd go out. Then guys would come in, they'd play pool until they had it, you know, the right instrumentation. Hey, we got six, let's go. Let's go. And, it, yeah. you know, it wouldn't have to match suits because nobody's wearing a suit. <laughs> and everybody knows the repertoire. You go yeah. out and, you know, I can't make it till eight o'clock. We'll show up at the pool hall. We'll be there. Yeah. And oh, they would just go. 
I think I joked about that one time. Because remember I told you, I have like an, well, I don't have an, but I have like this album cover and it has like a harp, like an accordion, like two guitars and like a really weird bass. Okay. And it looks like they were just kind of like in their own little town. And they're like, hey, what do you play? Well, I'll play harp. No, pues vente. What do you play? Like, yeah. No, pues vente, you know? Yeah, it's just whatever you can get. Yeah, whoever's yeah. there is like, all right, let's do it. That's you the know? group. <laughs> yeah. That, All-stars. Like. Yeah. like the all-star group. <laughs> they would say, lo que se tiene a la mano. Yeah. whatever you got yeah whatever you got we'll, we'll make do <laughs> yeah i mean that's that, great <laughs> that's how it is well, but remember we're talking about times when there was no tv there were no phones there were no records there were no yeah. cds if you wanted music you had to have the musician there you had to play <laughs> you gotta or do play. something yeah you gotta do something yeah man that's crazy yeah to think about i come wouldn't do that no, nah. no, no let's not <laughs> oh man well I think this is. I think this is good. Yeah. Well, well, this is a good stopping point. Um, Dr. G, I appreciate you coming back again. Yeah, thank uh, you for doing this. Too. Sorry My about pleasure, the. Man. Sorry about the technical difficulties. We're trying to figure all this out too. So, I appreciate you. Uh, well, Millie has come up with a solution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my new computer. Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, that too. That too. <laughs> but we appreciate you uh, uh, being a good sport about it. Just uh, doing this whole thing with us. Like I said, but, hey, um, the problem is at my end, not at your end. <laughs> oh, just in general i mean just just coming back to do it like i said we we had uh several people you know come come or like uh, hit us up and just say you know we we were former students as well you know a lot of them just said um oh actually i met one at target uh shout out to her i was walking i was walking in target trying to do christmas shopping and i was wearing my i was wearing my hat and she's just like hey i listened to your podcast and i just like look over and it's this lady, and I'm just thinking, like, oh, like, I think someone like my age, but no, she was, you know, older, and she was telling me that, you know, she went with you to all these places. Uh, her name was Maria, uh, Maria Lopez, I think she said. Uh, but she, uh, uh, yeah, a little short, yeah, shorter than me, and I'm pretty short, so <laughs> she's a teacher up in Northside, up in yeah, Hill. yeah, she told me she was a teacher, yeah, and she was just saying. She was just saying that, yeah, she got to go uh, to a bunch of places with you. And I had a good talk with her there. You know, I was just telling her what my experience was. Yeah, she said she went everywhere with you, you know. So shout out to her for uh, listening. And she said the first episode she saw was the one with you. So it was kind of good for her just to um, find out about us. And then just to know that, you know, you're still out there telling your stories. You know, that's what we're here for. Well, it was really fun, like Cinco de Mayo, Christmas time. We'd, yeah. we'd play at her school up in Diamond Hill. Right, and right. it was really cool for me to say, I would always say she was my teacher. But, uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, it's, there's great kids out there. And yeah. um, no, I mean, I love doing this. So, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Yeah, for sure. We might, so we might even do another episode. episode. What was that? I said, we'll work on getting better a better connection for you next time <laughs> yeah for sure um well we'll leave it at that i think this is a great episode uh you guys uh tune in for for the next one and we appreciate you yeah gee, thank you you sure thank will you. thanks again thank you guys you have a good, good night. night happy new year yeah happy yeah, new you year. too happy new year we'll y'all be you. safe we'll see you in 2021 we'll try we'll see you later